Today's Welcome Sunday, um, and Welcome Sunday, the whole idea is to just take, take a Sunday. We're going to try to end a little bit early. It's real risky for the preacher man to say that at the outset before I've actually ended early, because sometimes I get rolling and, yeah, the early thing doesn't happen. Uh, but we're going to try to end a few minutes early and give you some time to go hang out out in the lobby and just talk and get to know some people. So if you're new or new-ish to LifeBridge, here's an opportunity for you to just uh, have some coffee. We've got some donuts out there. I mean, let's gather around donuts and talk, right? Anything better than that? I love donuts so much. So we're going to just chat. If there's any left, okay? Like somebody is... Yes. Thanks, Tia. Good call. Because Bevan's out there. And it's a real problem <laughs> when Bevan's out there and there's free food. Um, and the, the children. Children eat donuts like candy. All right, so that's the idea, and today I'm taking, I'm pausing our, um, our campaign to just talk a little bit about who we are as a church, so if you're new or new-ish to LifeBridge, it's a good Sunday to be here, hear a little bit about why we do what we do and who we are as a church, um, and you have an opportunity to just say hi to some people out there. If you have to go, go ahead and go after service. Don't feel obligated to stay, but it's an opportunity for you to just hang around and to chat and get to know some people. So, it's Welcome Sunday is today, uh, but before that, I want to just begin uh, before the sermon by just saying a word of prayer for the conflict um, that you've likely heard about over in Israel, uh, between Hamas and Israel. So, would you guys just join with me in praying for this? Lord, <clears throat> God, this situation is so big. It's been going on for so long. Lord, there's so much violence, um, so much death and suffering and pain, and Lord, sometimes we just don't know what to pray. Um, Lord, but you are sovereign. Just pray the things that we know to be true. You are sovereign. Um, and Lord, you work through even evil to bring good, as you did through Jesus on the cross. So Lord, we don't see it. We don't know how. But Lord, we pray that you would bring some good through this. Lord, we pray that you, Lord, would bring an end to the conflict, an end to the violence. But Lord, we surrender to your will in all things. So Lord, we pray for justice, uh, for the perpetrators of evil. Lord, that your will will be done in bringing justice to those who have just caused so much pain, so much evil, so much suffering and death. And Lord, in times like this, when we don't know what to pray, we just trust that your spirit would lead us in what to pray, for your will to be done. And Lord, we long for the day when Jesus, you will return and you will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Jesus, we will hear, I'm making all things new. Lord, you remove sin, remove evil from the world, and establish your kingdom here in full. So, Lord, we long for that time. So, Jesus, would you just return soon? Return soon, set things right, and bring your kingdom. In your goodness, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> so today, uh, being Welcome Sunday, what I'm going to do is talk about our mission statement as a church. So it's our big why. Uh, as a staff, we've kind of been reflecting on this. It's like, what's our big why? <laughs> why do we do the things that we do? Last week, we talked about our big why just as humans. What's our purpose in life? And this, we said to know God, to love God, live with God, and to glorify God. Um, 
So our purpose as a, as a church and as a community here in Burlington, is, it's rooted in that, but ultimately every church's purpose, it really comes back to the Great Commission, which Jesus says in Matthew 28, before he ascends into heaven, uh, says this, Jesus came to them and said this to his disciples, all authority on hev- in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so first of all, what this means is Everything that we do, whatever mission we have, it's rooted in what Jesus gave us, right? It's Jesus' mission that he's called us to, but it stems from his authority, not ours. Okay, so we we talked about a couple weeks ago how we can accomplish nothing apart from Christ, Jesus says in John 15 to his disciples. So just like a branch that's severed from the vine can't really grow any fruit, we can't accomplish anything apart from Christ when we are attached to the vine that is Christ because of this. Jesus is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So whatever authority we possess was given to us by Jesus and ultimately is rooted and sourced in him. So whatever we accomplish is in the authority of Christ because he's the one who has all authority. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We often talk about this text in in the context of evangelism, of saying go and evangelize and share your faith, and that's absolutely true. It's 100% true. To share our faith, to let people know about Jesus, to tell people about this irresistible gospel that we've been talking about in this campaign. But notice, I think in in our Western world, in our American culture, where we just strive so much for efficiency and get as many people to say a prayer as possible in as short a time as we can. Like we have like, a whole movement based on this, right? The evangelical movement, evangelism. But we miss what Jesus says here of making disciples. Making disciples is not just getting people to say a prayer. It's the first part of it, right? Of becoming a disciple of Jesus is confessing our faith in him and repenting of our sin and being baptized then. But that's the beginning. That's not the end. Okay, when somebody becomes a, uh, a believer in Jesus, that's the beginning of becoming a disciple and growing into be a disciple. And what Jesus says next indicates that. It says, and teaching them, which uh, Dallas Willard calls the great omission, that we don't talk about this enough, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, so this isn't just this mission that Jesus has for us. It's not just getting people to say a prayer. It's making disciples, teaching these disciples to obey, obey everything Jesus has commanded us. This is a lifelong process. This takes time. This isn't efficient. Okay, life change doesn't happen efficiently. It takes time. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's on God's timing and God's work ultimately within the believer. And so this is Jesus' call for us as a church is to kind of be in it with one another, making disciples together and growing in our faith together. Again, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us in the Gospels. So, it's not our mission that we're pursuing. It's Jesus' mission, we see. It's not our, in our power that we're accomplishing this mission, but it's only through the authority and the power of Jesus. Uh, and it's not alone that we're accomplishing this mission, but it's with Jesus, as he says next. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a comfort right? This mission that we have, like, we're not in it alone. It's not in our power that we're doing this. It's not even our mission. It's Jesus, and he's with us. And so we get to go to work with Jesus every day. It's awesome, right? And we can trust that he is going to accomplish his mission. It changes the whole landscape of this when we remember that all authority in heaven and on earth is in Jesus, 
and he's with us and he's going to accomplish his mission. Gives us great confidence, peace, and we can rest in this. So that's what it's all rooted in, but here's our kind of take or our calling as a church right now in 2023 in Burlington to live out and carry out that great commission here. And I'll explain a little bit about why um, we've come to this conclusion. Okay, so our mission statement is to discover abundant life in Christ and to live it together. We believe that what Jesus calls abundant life is infinitely better than what the world has to offer in this life and for eternity. There's two components to this statement that I think are particularly applicable to this time in 2023 and in our culture, Burlington, Wisconsin. One, the statement is positive, meaning it's a positive affirmation of like abundant life is found in Jesus, right? Like that's good. That's a good message. Kind of tying into our irresistible gospel campaign. Like we need to promote this as a positive message that Jesus, the gospel, is good. And there is abundant life in Jesus. Jesus promised his disciples abundant life in John 10, 10. And so too often the church is known for what we're against and what we're for. We hear this all the time. We like to argue and complain about stuff. When we have true abundant life, true abundant life here in Jesus. And secondly, it's comparative. So it's really positive and it's comparative. We're comparing the abundant life found in Jesus to any other worldview that the world has. Again, this is a theme that we're hitting pretty hard in our irresistible gospel campaign. We can't just say, I don't believe in the gospel anymore. And this is kind of where our culture is as a whole. Like with Christianity, we're in what's called a post-Christian culture. A lot of sociologists have termed it that. So with Christianity, a lot, of, a lot of people who are exploring the idea in our culture today are kind of like, we've been there and done that, right? So that's why there's, there's a <laughs> phrase that a lot of uh, statisticians who survey their culture in relation to Christianity, they, they use it, it's called the rise of the nuns which sounds like a really bad movie, right? But not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, okay? It's like people who claim to be spiritual but have no religious affiliation, okay? And so what's happening in our culture is a lot of people are realizing the emptiness of modernism and the idea that it's all natural, there is no spiritual, right? And they're starting to adopt some spirituality, but they're not willing to go to Christianity because we have this sense of we've been there and done that before. And that's kind of old news for us. So what's happening is a lot of folks are kind of taking different ideas from different religions and kind of creating this tapestry of their religious worldview. And what's happening is they made themselves the authority and not Jesus, in whom is all authority in heaven and on earth, as he has said. So they'll take some ideas from Jesus, take some ideas from Buddha, take some ideas of their own, whatever other philosophy and worldview they want, and kind of combine it together into a very inconsistent whole. But people do that all the time. And so what we're trying to say in this mission statement is, like, actually, like, that's not the way. Because it's not enough to reject the gospel. You have to fill it with something else. And what most people are filling it with is themselves. And in this campaign, we're highlighting that and saying that that's not sufficient. It's not enough, right? And this is what our mission statement is trying to articulate, that we believe that what Jesus calls abundant life, how Jesus defines abundant life, is infinitely better than what the world has to offer in this life and eternity. And we have to trust that. We have to trust that. 
It's not easy to do, as we're going to see in a little bit, but we have to trust that because we live in a culture and a world where it is, we are bombarded with messages saying, here's what the abundant life is. And it's not what Jesus says is the abundant life. So we really have to trust that what Jesus says is true in comparison to the other ideas out there in the world today. The other part of this mission statement that I love is because of this cultural moment that we live in, it's not enough for us to just tell people, here's the gospel and here's why it's better. We have to show people. (laughs) We have to live this abundant life ourselves. Ultimately, the abundant life of Christ is found in love, where we genuinely love one another. I go through this in the devotional in more detail. But Jesus says, this is how the world will know you are my disciples, is how you love one another. We have missed that in the church. We've adopted all these other evangelistic movements and all these other programs and ideas for how to do church to bring people to know Jesus. When Jesus himself says, like, you guys really got to love each other, (laughs) that's your best evangelism, is a life transformed by Jesus and genuinely loving one another in the church. And that will make the gospel look irresistible and God look glorious and awesome. And so that's what this mission statement is getting at, is like abundant life, loving each other, together, living it together. We have to show the culture this. We have to show the world this. It's not enough to just tell people. We have to live it out ourselves. And so, kind of the, the tension here and the difficulty is, when I say abundant life, what do you think? <laughs> Most likely what comes to mind is something like the American dream. Health, wealth, beautiful house, beautiful car, beautiful family, healthy people around me, all of that stuff, like good relationships. Here's what Jesus says is the abundant life. This is the beginning of the longest sermon that Jesus, that we have on record in the gospel. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It says like Jesus' ethic. Jesus' way of living is articulated here in the Sermon on the Mount. And these are the Beatitudes, is what he begins with. And he begins it with, blessed are, all of these statements. So this term blessed, it's going back to a Hebrew idea. The idea is happier. Like this is, this is the happy life. This is the good life. And theologically, this is indicative of the blessed life by God. Right? So these are the ones whom God has blessed. So if you want to look for indicators of a blessed life, this is what Jesus says our blessed life. And unless you knew where I was going, I can almost guarantee none of these were on your list, right? And this is why in in the cultural moment that we're in right now, we really have to trust this. Like, it's not enough to say like, I think Jesus is cool. I'm going to go my own way. No, the culture will eat you alive. Like, you have to really trust that this is the best way to live because it doesn't make any sense in our natural minds. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke's gospel says, blessed are the poor, because poor people are generally poor in spirit. They recognize their spiritual depravity, that they have nothing in and of themselves to be made right with God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The converse of that is love, right? You, You mourn because you love, right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Probably wouldn't make our top ten of indicators of the blessed life. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says, for they shall inherit the earth. When we're living in ourselves for ourselves for the own authority and not trusting in Jesus, 
Meekness definitely doesn't make the list for us to inherit the earth or to gain the earth. We think of winning, doing anything it takes to win. And the way of Jesus here, it doesn't stop at the door of politics. Just because we live in a politically polarized world, meekness is still the way for Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Again, not hungering and thirsting for winning, for my ideology to win the day, whatever that might be. No, righteousness, doing what's right and leaving the outcomes in the hands of God. That's the way of Jesus, as he so uniquely demonstrated by going to the cross. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Dallas Willard says to be pure in heart is to will one thing. It's to will God's will. <laughs> to want what God wants. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. A lot that I want to say on this, but I told you I'm going to end early, so I'm going to end early, Okay. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. One of the core elements of the way of Jesus and trusting in the way of Jesus is having an eternal perspective. If you have a temporal perspective that this life is all there is, you won't live the way of Jesus. You have to have an eternal perspective that this life isn't, even the majority of life, not even close. Eternity is a long time in relation to at most 100 years lived here. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then just briefly, Jesus goes on and he says in verses 13 and 14 to his disciples, you are the salts of the earth. You are the light of the world. As I mentioned with our mission statement, what Jesus is getting at is this is who you become in me. So live like it. Experience this abundant life and live it out. And if you're a disciple of Christ, this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth. So the fruit that God produces in you, again, that's what leads to you being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so this endless ceasing and striving to accomplish our mission, we're trying to say, just experience the abundant life of Christ and live it together. And be who you are. Be who God has created you anew to be in the gospel. The salt of the earth means that you're useful to the world. You do good. Salt was incredibly useful in the ancient world. It had lots of different purposes and uses. And so we are called to bring good into this world. To do what God has called us to. To be involved in it. That we can't just like go and start a monastery out in the middle of nowhere and escape the world. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to be in the world and to bring good to the world. You are the light of the world. We're also to be distinct from the world. We're to shine the light of Christ, to live out the holiness of God in the world while also still being salt. So two of the phrases that I've been using a good bit to try to capture this idea of our mission statement is, one, Jesus is better the way of Jesus is better. And again, you have to really believe it to live it out in this culture in 2023. That the Beatitudes, 
desiring those, pursuing those through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, you have to really believe it, that the way of Jesus is better or you just won't. Culture will eat you alive and you'll find yourself very far from the way of Jesus very quickly. The other thing I'm trying to say a lot is Jesus is worth it or Jesus is worthy of it. Again, that eternal perspective. Whatever sacrifices we perceive that we are making in the here and now to be followers of Jesus, looking at those who are living the good life as we would deem it apart from Christ, right? Say, no, Jesus is worth it because of this eternal perspective that we have. And not only that, but the inner life that we experience with Jesus is 100% worth it. Band, you guys can come and get set up. We're going to go into a time of worship in a minute here. And when you read the stories of the saints, when you talk to Christians who have lived this out, what you find is, even though, according to worldly standards, they may not seem to be living the abundant life, Jesus was absolutely right. That even if you may not have everything put together in your external environment, you may not have the perfect job, you may not have everything that you want, your house, your boat, your car may not be perfect, like everything may not be going your way, your health might not be great, you can have this rich inner life with Christ in spite of all of that. Because in Jesus is true abundant life. And we have to trust that. You have to believe it, and you have to seek the Spirit of God to form that in you. Because our mission is accomplished by us. Through Jesus working in us, just living out the abundant life of Christ together in community. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for this revelation of the abundant life that, Lord, we're not wondering what it is. We're not looking for it here and there. Lord, we can trust you. Lord, many of the things that we would describe as the abundant life, you didn't have. You didn't experience those things. And Jesus, you were the perfect human. <laughs> You're God in flesh. So Lord, help us to trust that you know better, that your way is best, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. And Lord, that you are with us to the very end of the age. What a comfort. What a promise that you will build your kingdom. You will build your church. And Lord, we get to participate in that abundant life with you. What a joy. So Lord, we worship you, we praise you, and we love to just live in this together as a community. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.